Peace and blessings, y'all. Welcome to Black Remembering, Highlighting the Heavy and the Hope, a podcast presented by the Black Appalachian Coalition, or BLAC, Black for short. Black Remembering, Highlighting the Heavy and the Hope, serves as a podcast platform to amplify African-American stories and adjacent narratives in the Appalachian region. This podcast seeks to show that Black people are, have been, and will always be an integral part of Appalachia. Thus, our presence in the region should be reflected in the policies and laws that are administered. I mean, two plus two equals four, right? Black Remembering will focus on Black Appalachian stories in Kentucky and North Carolina, as well as other states in the Appalachian region. But for the Kentucky and North Carolina stories, I'll be your host. My name is Nita Jade, an Appalachian poet, writer, and educator. I'd like to open up this podcast series by explaining or sharing a small part of my own story. Currently, I live in Kentucky. I'm originally from the Blue Ridge Mountains of Western North Carolina. Shout out to my Asheville family. I miss y'all. In Appalachian, uh, a term invented by Kentucky's first Black Poet Laureate and my mentor, Frank S. Walker, is an African-American native and or resident of the Appalachian region. I believe the term has now expanded to be more inclusive and include people of color and Black and Indigenous people in the region. So instead of talking y'all ears off with a whole bunch of anecdotes about my childhood, I'd like to give y'all an idea of who I am, what life was like growing up, and where I come from via a poem I wrote in undergrad. And this is around the time I started to learn the language about my identity. This poem is written after George Ella Lyon and was introduced to me by Krista Wilkinson in her Intro to Creative Writing class back in 2015 at Berea College. Whew. Please bear with me, y'all. I was still a baby poet, and I would like to believe that I have improved since then. <laughs> Somebody say growth. Amen. Where I'm from. I am from shotgun shells and stay indoors. From box and bookshelf jungle gym, cause sometimes the courts are too coarse. I am from lukewarm blood, so thick and fickle you may blink, miss the wound and only see it congeal. I come from syringe bouquets and second chances. From spitting images of sunsets and whispers of reincarnation, yes, I am from paper-thin skin, stretched over black folded hands cupping prayers to holy lips. I am from hallelujah hand-me-downs, from blasphemy-stained teeth and rootless superstitions dressed in silk on Sundays. I am from old-school two-stepping, on-beat, toe-tapping, shuffle so smooth it put the young folk to shame. I am from callous on callous daps, back claps, tongues that tend to clap back, gap two smiles wide enough to reach out and tug on yours. I am from loathing and false surnames and displaced royalty. Unrefined gold hums a low alto beneath my melanin. I am from soul and sacrifice, from love and reclamation, from sun-baked sweet tea, pickled eggs, and ambrosia. I am from warm, sticky clay wedged between stubborn toes, hardening in the sun. Red-bowed earth reminding me who I am, where I stand, where I'm from. I didn't know 
I was Afro-Latchian until I discovered this part of my identity in undergrad at Berea College. I was annoyed that characteristics of my identity had been passed over because the mainstream stereotypical definitions, the Oxford American Dictionary definition, at least the original one, completely erased anyone who wasn't white from the definition of Appalachia. So before, I didn't have the language to recognize myself. But now, understanding this part of my identity is another way of learning how to pronounce my name. The characteristics of Afrolatcha have always been on my tongue. The twang in my speech, the city and the mountains that raised me, the hollers in the neighboring counties, my late OG queens, sun-baked sweet tea in July, mm. the clay beneath my toes, the knowledge of the landscape and which towns to avoid after sunset, the sayings and the adages, the stories, the persistent presence of us in this vast and diverse region, etc., and so forth. The lived Subjective Afrolatchian experience is one that all Black people in Appalachia can speak to in one way or another. Hello, everyone. My name is Kimyatta Patterson, also known as Lady Wisdom. I pray that God is meeting you right where you are, restoring your hope, restoring your families, restoring your mind. I don't want to preach today. I just want to give you a little hope, if I can, if you'll let me. By you hearing what Warren, Ohio used to be and what it is now and what I believe that it could be through my lens. So when I was five years old, me, my mom, my two older brothers, and my younger sister moved from Cleveland, Ohio to Warren, Ohio. And most people never even heard of this place called Warren. So this entire city was thriving. Not that there was no crime at the time, but I was a child. My only concern was being able to play with my family and newly found friends. While it was still a neighborhood before times start changing, we used to climb trees and play jump rope in the parking lots and (laughs) build tree houses and play marbles in the backyard. We had talent shows and we went on all kind of field trips with our community center. Now remember, we're talking about the 80s and the early 90s. So back then we didn't have cell phones and video game systems and iPads and whatever have you, but we had so many things to do which was way more fun than just being stuck in a house. Now growing up in the 80s and warm, we were getting all that life had to offer us, even more than we can even imagine. So let's talk about the justice system. I don't know what it was back then, but I know what it is now. It's a corrupted system. We used to have skating parties and all, and dances afterwards. When they took all of the things, look at what it was replaced with. Now all they're doing is being on social media, 
because now they have all these gadgets. They've listened to all the rap music. And don't get me twisted. I used to love rap music. But these kids don't really truly understand. They're selling them dreams of lies. And they believe it. And it has now become true to them. That's a message for somebody. Just because you believe it to be true does not make it the truth. And this is a problem that we see across the board. So when do we give ourselves permission to unite together as one? Because only we can tell our stories. If we allow to, or continue to allow someone else to tell our stories and not us, they're telling our stories for us. We cannot create change. I have a dream that hope is restored. That this justice system be torn down all the way down to the studs and rebuilt from the ground up with the proper people in place going forward. No more being able to lock up my children and your children and our children's children. For health care to be restored and upgraded and that one day soon the love of this city be renewed, be restored and we put the neighbor back into hood to make it the neighborhood that it always was made to be. Thank you for listening. I truly hope you take this word that was given and look back on your own life and, and ask yourself, what could my life look like if money was not an issue what could this community look like if money wasn't the problem be blessed greetings i am melanie mead clareton resident i am the daughter of the late dr thomas mead senior and maxine pipkins mead who are both lifelong residents of appalachia and southwest pennsylvania I am the descendant of the original peoples of this land. My paternal grandmother's family owned large tracts of land. It was called Randolph Hollow. This was long before any industry came to this area. I am mother of two sons and grandmother to three. I am a naturopath seeking natural health as a vital modality to share with our community in order that we might sustain ourselves through these critical times. I remember my father using natural remedies throughout my life and believe we should return to all traditions that work to make us better while living with constant attacks on our physical, mental, and emotional wellness. Being a Black woman rising fellow and working with the Black Appalachian Coalition has given me an opportunity to grow into my purpose as a climate and environmental justice air quality activist as well to find my voice in raising awareness on restorative practices we can return to that can support us in addressing issues that will definitely arise with climate change and living in environmental justice zones. This space for me gives a voice to those unheard stories that are necessary to hear when considering policy, as well as when the need comes to amend or terminate policy that no longer meets our needs. 
African-American voices are not always heard because the American narrative has worked hard to divide us within ourselves. Thus, the need arises to name ourselves and in, as an environmentalist or a Black environmentalist, when in all truth, our humanity should speak to this. When we live the lives we are purposed, we will not corrupt nature and cause us to worry about the future of our planet. Now that I've found a space that allows me to soar, I want more than anything to provide this same type of space for my community. I do not seek to share or provide this space to change anyone, merely to meet people where they are. I hope for a world where BIPOC youth are engaged in climate and environmental justice so that awareness of resources and rights will grow. The world needs to get out of our way so that we can begin to use our innovative minds. Historically, we have established our collective plan of action to change the way we've been collaborating and operating with government agencies and funders. This looks like having direct access to health department and EPA jobs. Those who suffer most from injustices are the least to have a space and a voice at the policymaking table. The world I hope for would no longer have all white spaces speaking for a predominantly BIPOC issue. BIPOC women will begin to take back their health and lives by providing their own services, home repair, car repair, car sales, handyman jobs, become handy women jobs so that women are less stressed and the low life expectancy for black women can change when we have confidence, faith in our surroundings and know our environment is safe. We must return to our roots that reminded us we are all one. We are all in this together and our fight will be less demanding because we stand together and for each other. We will remember that our elders once made the soaps and detergents for the neighborhood and some others might have made toys and dolls out of used clothing. We will become more aware of our economic power by returning to our roots, remembering who we are. Hi, my name is Marie Cochran and I am a recorder of stories and I'm from Tacoa, Georgia, nestled in the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains. I am a proud daughter of Afrolatcha, and I will be sharing these stories of people and places, not only from North Georgia, from all around the region where Black people meet, greet, and create spaces in the Appalachian Mountains. This is my introduction, an essay titled, I Pledge Allegiance to Afrolatcha. I am a Black Southerner, and my experience, though it defies the white hillbilly stereotype, is assuredly Appalachian. Being a Black person from Appalachia can be summed up in that old Facebook relationship status. It's complicated. During my childhood, I enjoyed The Waltons, a popular 1970s TV show about a hard scrabble white family in the Virginia mountains as much as I enjoyed good times the story of an irrepressible Black family in Chicago's Cabrini-Green public housing community. My Black friends from Atlanta and other cities look askance when I mention that I had simultaneous crushes 
on the sensitive aspiring writer John Boy, the eldest Walton son, and Michael Evans, the smart, politically conscious youngest son on Good Times. I'm used to this reaction because I've always been teased because I was born and raised in the foothills of Georgia's Appalachian Mountains, a place not known for having Black communities or Deep South chocolate cities. But Appalachia is a crossroads where African, European, and Indigenous people collided and coexisted. As a friend remarked, we were intersectional before the word existed. In the best of times, the regional camaraderie flows in an easy, familiar manner because everybody knows your mama and them. In the worst of times, I've despaired of finding better ways to coexist on this land. And as I'm crafting these emotions into sentences and this native daughter returned to Georgia after many years away, I am still sorting out how I feel about this place called home. I was born in Tacoa in Stevens County. Even the place names express the dissonance I feel about my geographic roots. Tacoa is a word of Cherokee origin. Almost every local chamber of commerce brochure claims that translated into English, it means the beautiful. That was probably probably derived from Tagwahi, meaning Catawba place. My high school mascot is still the Indians, boldly and inaccurately adorned in Plains Indian headgear. There was hardly any mention in our history classes of the Trail of Tears that removed indigenous people from this area of Northeast Georgia. Nothing about the reasons why and no thoughtful contemporary attempt to connect with the culture we claim to honor on the athletic field. The county is named after Alexander H. Stevens, vice president of the Confederacy during the Civil War. He is commemorated with a bronze plaque on the grounds of the county courthouse, and this official marker does not refer to his infamous cornerstone address delivered in Savannah in March 1861. There he stated the logical, his logic, behind the Confederacy's creation, and I quote, its foundations are laid, its cornerstone rests upon the great truth that the Negro is not equal to the white man, that slavery subordination to the superior race is his natural and normal condition, end quote. Clearly, there was no place in Stephen's vision for me but the Confederacy did not prevail. I am a black female who was a first generation college student. My parents spent their teens being the help and then labored in the textile mills as adults. I am the grandchild of sharecroppers and the great grand of enslaved people. As an heir of the civil rights movement, I claim the freedom to become an artist, curator and educator. I also embrace the role of cultural pollinator and mentor to many. I've earned two degrees and much of my work connects colleges to grassroots communities. I am a black Southerner and my experience, though it defies the white hillbilly stereotype is assuredly Appalachian. 
The inhabitants of Appalachia are as diverse as its terrain, which ranges from soaring peaks to gentle hillsides and from rural agricultural communities to bustling metropolitan municipalities. Yet when we talk about the region, Appalachia is narrowly defined and caricatured. Very little attention has been paid to the Black individuals and communities for whom this place has been home for many generations. Responding to the persistence erasure of our presence, I often say, small numbers, tremendous impact. And there's so much history to talk about from all the states that are in the region. Yet for me, the most poignant and ironic example of the intersection of cultures in the region is the banjo itself, which is both quintessentially Appalachian and has African roots. Carter G. Woodson is the founder of Black History Month, lived in West Virginia. Henry Louis Gates, the renowned scholar of Black literature and culture, grew up in the mill town of Piedmont, West Virginia, and boosted the popularity of genealogy in this country. Appalachia gave us recording artists, Nina Simone, Bill Withers, and Roberta Flack, to name a few, as well as writers like August Wilson and Nikki Giovanni. Musical giants even made their mark in my tiny hometown. James Brown came to Tacoa, fleeing a tumultuous childhood and a perilous future. He healed his spirit and birthed his musical prowess in the shadow of Curry Mountain. The blues vocalist and vaudeville performer Ida Cox was born here, and her enslaved parents probably worked on the Riverside Plantation before she fled as a teenager to sing about daily struggles and sexual liberation in the 1930s. Going on to fame as a prolific composer and band leader, her song, While Women Don't Get the Blues, is largely recognized as an early feminist anthem. When viewed as individuals, these creative folk appear to be black unicorns, rare artifacts without context. Their Appalachian associations are rarely discussed and ignoring their mountain connections allowed them to comfortably fit into a national commercial context. But I know their contributions to be a great gift from the region and to the nation. And I proudly claim them as Appalachians. Black in Appalachia equals Appalachia. This clever term is short enough for a tweet and long enough for a bumper sticker. And it was coined in the 1990s by Kentucky-based writer Frank X. Walker. In 2011, I created the Afrolatchian Artist Project inspired by the Afrolatchian poets who had been working together since college, since that time. And also inspired by the modern resurgence of old time music by string bands like Grammy winning Granny, Grammy Award-winning Carolina Chocolate Drops. Following in the footsteps of these creative trailblazers, I began my work. The dream grew, and I co-curated the inaugural museum exhibition of the Afrolatchian Artist Project at the August Wilson Center in Pittsburgh, the region's unofficial urban capital. And really, as we think about the growth of this movement, Afrolatcha cannot be located on a map. 
Yet it is manifest in writers' words, the sounds of musicians, visual art, and the creative network we continue to build. I seek out the makers and the truth tellers. I vow to honor the messy, bittersweet contrast of my home region's historic challenges and the courageous accomplishments of artists, activists, and residents who want a better future. In an 1848 letter to Frederick Douglass, journalist and abolitionist Martin Delaney said it best. It is only in the mountains that I can fully appreciate my existence as a person in America and in my own native land. It is then and there my soul is lifted up, my bosom caused to swell with emotion, and I am lost in wonder at the dignity of my own nature. This is why I pledge allegiance to Afrolatcha. This podcast is a space to hear our stories and emphasize our voices. Black Remembering, Highlighting the Heavy and the Hope, is presented by the Black Appalachian Coalition, a grassroots nonprofit organization founded by Bishop Marcia Dinkins that advocates for the visibility of Black people in Appalachia. The Black Appalachian Coalition, or BLAC Black for short, helps to shape how policymakers create and implement inclusive policies addressing disparities such as air and water pollution, food insecurity, healthcare access, and so on. To learn more about Black, visit us at blackappalachiancoalition.com and find us on social media. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Black Appalachian Coalition. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash BLAC underscore Appalachia. Our YouTube handle is at Black Appalachian Coalition 4527. And you can follow us on Instagram at Black underscore Appalachia.